right, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, September 26, 2018 edition of our little weather get together. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we're excited to have on Christine Voss from the North Carolina King Tide Project. Uh, Christine joining us from Pine Knoll Shores, North Carolina, just um, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of Moorhead City. Uh, she works with the uh, University of North Carolina with this project. So, uh, Christine, we're happy to have you on the show tonight. Um, looking forward to uh, learning uh, about the King Tide Project. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm a coastal ecologist with uh, UNC at Chapel Hills Institute of Marine Sciences. Thank awesome. you. Glad to be you're, here. You're welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. So for those who are watching us tonight, thank you again for joining us. Uh, this is a live broadcast. So uh, throughout the show, if you want uh, to ask any questions or uh, have any interaction with us, you can do that uh, many different ways. You can comment on our Facebook Live or uh, Periscope stream. Uh, you can also comment on the, the uh, YouTube page or um, communicate with us via Twitter at Carolina WX Group. So numerous ways that you can get a hold of us throughout the show tonight. And um, if you are watching or listening later on to the, uh, to the show or the podcast, We'll let Christine uh, at the end of the show give um, out some information how you can learn more about the uh, North Carolina King Tide Project. So uh, we will also, towards the end of the show, be talking about the uh, continuing recovery efforts in North and South Carolina as the flooding continues in Northeast uh, South Carolina from Hurricane Florence. Uh, we will uh, discuss with Chris, who um, has some really good connections down along the uh, the Georgetown area. So uh, Chris will kind of give us an update about what's going on down there. I will say Shay and Jared are both off tonight, so we'll have no tropical update. Uh, maybe towards the end of the show, I'll pull up uh, the Hurricane Center uh, website. We can kind of briefly talk about what's going on in the tropics. So with that, it is kind of an active evening and the weather, uh, weather-wise, uh, we've had a lot of showers and thunderstorms move through western North Carolina, and now they are uh, moving into the Charlotte metro area. That's where I'll bring in our producer, James Briarton. James, how are things there in uh, Charlotte this evening? They are looking a bit stormy after a really nice day. You know, it was kind of, um, to me, an unexpected sunny day. I know we had uh, clouds in the forecast, but it was a perfect example not to look at what we like to call those crap apps, where you look at the weather forecast and you get the little thunderstorm icon and you think the whole <laughs> day is going to be horrible. It wasn't. We had a beautiful sunny day in the 80s most of the day. Now we're getting the thunderstorms as that cold front comes in, and I think that cold front's going to be here to stay. So we'll get a, a nice little uh, activity, rain line moving through that we have up on radar here. But uh, I think we're probably uh, in for a couple days of classic North Carolina kind of on again, off again clouds and rain as this cold front stalls out, Scotty. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's going to be one of those um, days tomorrow that we're going to have rounds of uh, showers and storms moving into the area. So with that... There is a possibility of some flash flooding in western North Carolina, as well as the mountains. There is a slight risk for that. So that is kind of a level two out of four uh, for the possibility of some flooding. Also talking about active weather, it's not quite got to the Columbia, South Carolina yet, area yet. But um, Chris, I know you uh, are monitoring storms off to your west. Absolutely, Scotty. Sitting there looking at the radar. And I'll pull it up for the folks watching. That way they can see what we're, we're talking about here. Um, all right, here we go. If you guys can see, we've got a nice little line of storms that's ascending basically from uh, from Charlotte down across uh, the northern Midlands all the way down to the Augusta area. We do have one severe thunderstorm warning right now for Saluda County until 845. Uh, storm uh, heading off to the 
uh, east at, let's see here, what's the speed on this thing? All right, 20 knots, so about 25 miles an hour. It's, it's uh, heading off to the east. It, it's going to move into western Lexington County uh, probably around the 9 p.m. time frame, next 30 minutes, 45 minutes or so. Um, uh, biggest hazard with this is going to be 60 mile an hour winds and uh, uh, the chance for some uh, torrential rain, you know, a ton of lightning, just a typical kind of uh, you know, afternoons, summertime thunderstorm. You know, going forward from that, just like Scotty and Jay's both said, the next couple of days we're going to uh, we're going to have continued uh, areas of uh, on and off again rain because of a, uh, <laughs> a, a front that's going to stall over the area. But yeah, I'll cover some more on that in a little while. I'm having some computer difficulties here, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> Christine no just ways. figured out the one downside to Google Hangouts, which is that if yeah. it hears you make noise, I'm thirsty. It, it comes to you. <laughs> um, well, thank you for that report, Chris. And um, like Chris said, we're going to monitor these showers and storms throughout the night and throughout the day tomorrow. And hopefully, all indications are showing that these uh, showers and storms should exit the area by this weekend. I know everybody um, doesn't like rain on the weekend, so hopefully we can uh, get these showers and storms out of the way by then. So let's bring in our guest tonight. Let's bring in Miss Christine Voss, um, again, from the Pine No Shores North Carolina area is kind of just outside of Moorhead City. Christine, mm -hmm. uh, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here and tell you all about uh, some of the work that we're doing in my lab. Yeah, we are excited to hear about this. Um, first of all, for those who may not live along the coast or um, may not have really an idea of what tides are and stuff like that, what is the king tide? I know uh, that's kind of what you guys look at, but as we were talking before the show, it's not really called a king tide. Well, can I can I show you some graphics that would make that explanation easier? Sure, yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm not sure if I just put up that, do you see um, a screenshot? If you will go over to the left-hand side, yes. um, it should, the second option should say screen share. And you can click on that and hopefully, and then there we How's go. That? We see it now. Okay. Well, I'm going to just skip around here to try to answer your question more specifically. And I'm going to go down to here, King Tide. So King Tide is used um, by quite a lot of people. And we generally scientists don't care for the term because it has different definitions for different people. The way we define it and the way we see NOAA defining it is um, the Pergean spring tide. So what's that? Spring tide is when you have either a full moon or a new moon. Everybody's familiar with that. And because the moon in its orbit around the earth is an ellipse rather than a circle, there are times when the moon is physically closer to the earth, having greater gravitational pull. So when we're having, the moon is in perigee, closest to the earth, and we have a spring tide, new moon or full moon, the moon has the extra, extra gravitational pull. So the higher high tides um, occur as well as the lower low tides. So this is an astronomical effect and it can be predicted. And, and so when we talk about these, um... The, these tides, when we see high tide, and you say it's a little bit higher, what, what are the impacts of that? I know that's kind of what you guys are, are studying here with the project. Yeah, one of the, I'm going to switch to another 
uh, slide here. The King Tides is actually an international project. It started in Australia and actually came to uh, America through California a few years ago. And um, it's really open to anyone who wishes to start a project in a given area. Their logo, if you will, is snap the shore and see the future. Because these king tide events are predictable and the higher, have the higher high tides, we can get, if we go out and, and you know, we can take photographs to document those higher water levels and it helps us to visualize what normal sea levels will likely be like down the road. So snap the shore, take a photograph of this king tide and you see what the future water levels will be. And so when we see these these high tides, um, I, I know, you know, we don't have Shay or Jared on here, but one thing that they talk about is it presents the possibility of seeing some flooding that takes place in Charleston. Uh, is that the case maybe in North Carolina, maybe some communities there? Absolutely. So king tides have always been occurring, but because sea levels are now higher than they have been before, um, yes, we get flooding. Uh, there's a photograph here in the lower left-hand corner. This is in Moorhead City, um, I think Shepherd Street. And you see a storm drain here. It's uh, only a partly cloudy day. It's not stormy, but this up the storm drains and onto the road. So people will sometimes find themselves driving through salt water. Um, you can see there's other times when we have this, they call it sunny day flooding or nuisance flooding. The weather can be perfectly fine, but because there's this greater gravitational pull on the, on the sea level, we have a king tide because sea levels have been increasing and that rate of increase has been accelerating. We're finding higher, <laughs> we're finding water levels that are actually, yes, in, causing flooding on a, on a reg, somewhat regular basis. In North Carolina, we have, I can show you another slide, the predicted tide can also be affected, that astronomical tide can be affected by wind in certain areas and actually affects of the Gulf Stream as well. So um, it's possible that we have a king tide forecast, but if the wind is blowing uh, generally in the southwestern direction, it could actually blow out that extra water and, and we would might not have flooding. But yes, flooding occurs quite regularly. That that is interesting. And so, talking about this, coming back to to the project that you were doing in the research, um, how did the idea come about? What what kind of give us the uh, maybe the timeline of of how the North Carolina King Tide project started, and maybe what you guys are doing up to today. Okay. Uh, well, as I said, that um, I have a, a grant from NOAA's National Center for Coastal Ocean Science, and it's part of the Ecological Effects of Sea Level Rise program. And my main focus is looking at marsh habitat and how marsh habitat um, has the capacity to, to attenuate or buffer wave energy in storms, and how we can anticipate the ecological function those functions that benefit humans we call ecosystem services and the, how the ecosystem services of marshes are going to change with sea level rise so um i'll quickly go through a bit of this i mean we love the coast you know globally as well as in the united states about half our population lives in the coastal zone we also know that sea level has been rising 
and that that rate of rise has been increasing. So the rate of sea level rise is accelerating. Um, we can see here in this graph from the IPCC that the majority of that expand, you know, sea level rises from sheer physics, thermal expansion. So there's quite a lot of momentum in the, the rate of rise or in the ocean because there's so much, you know, so much heat, latent heat stored there. Um, if you talk to the coastal zone managers, you'll will see that flooding is among the, the most critical issues. I've quickly addressed that uh, we have a kind of a continuum in North Carolina where the, there's astronomical forcing, but especially in areas like in, um, here in Pamlico Sound, where we have the outer banks with very few inlets, the wind is actually sometimes more important than the tidal effect. We also have the, the warm Gulf Stream coming up along our coast to about Cape Hatteras, and that's joined with the cold Labrador current. And sometimes we find that up here in the, by North Carolina, that when the, the Gulf Stream is actually so strong, it's about a meter higher than the surrounding ocean. And I'm, I'm learning this from the oceanographers. I'm an ecologist. But when this stream tends to, to kind of meander to the west, it actually pushes that wall of water up against us and it, it up against our coast. And then another thing that the oceanographers have been finding is that this rate of rise is actually slowing at times. And we find a, a backlog, <laughs> higher water levels, much higher than predicted. Um, just a quick example here, um, an old photograph. So, oh, sorry, old hydrograph. Um, the, I want you to focus on the blue, which is the water levels. Here's an area, here's Cape Lookout. And here is Pinell Shores. We have um, an aquarium here. And only about 40, 50 miles away is Cedar Island National Wildlife Reserve up here. And you can see the difference in the, you can see here in Pinell Shores where we uh, have more tidal input, you can see that semi-diurnal tide regularly influencing water levels. Here at Lola, you can certainly see that probably barometric pressure as well as wind is the main feature affecting water level. So this is some of what, um, while we, we in North Carolina are using the King Tides project, but we're interested in much more than just the highest water levels. We really started the program because we wanna improve our understanding of, we want, of, the, of the public and of, of, every, of the, everyone What's causing, what's the forcing mechanisms affecting those water levels as well? Um, we, here's some uh, hydrographs from this NOAA station at Beaufort. Uh, the project, this is uh, 2015 in October, 2016, and spring of 2017. The blue lines that you see here are the predicted water levels. The green are the verified data. Uh, down here, the red were observe, observations that had not yet been verified. Um, here, as far as, I believe this is the National Weather Service's uh, forecast for flooding, minor, moderate, and major. And what you can see is um, all of those astronomical harmonics that I've talked about um, are included in this prediction. And I, I should explain that these harmonics can be as long as 18.6 years, which is the lunar nodal 
um, tide. And therefore, NOAA actually measures sea level rise in 19-year epochs. So to really capture all of what goes on in a cycle, you need one 19-year record. So it's, it can be a bit challenging. But the point is, all of that, that, that detail and lots of research has gone into to getting these predictions just right. So something else is going on. And it's probably something like the Gulf Stream where you see for several tides, we have a much higher tide. And um, we see that pattern quite frequently. Here's some graphs from NOAA looking at regional sea level rise. <clears throat> and if you look at the well, mid-Atlantic and Northeast, you can see from about 2010 to 2015, the sea level, apparent sea level rise was actually decreasing during those years. Whereas here in the South Atlantic coast, as well as the Southwest coast, you can see that our rate of rise is now maxed out to about the highest IPCC estimate. And um, it's, you had some fairly high levels as well in the Gulf of Mexico. So <clears throat> there's, there's a lot going on with sea level. There's a lot of factors that affect sea level, especially in North Carolina. So we wanted to, to better understand what was going on. Um, we, our Coastal Resources Commission and their science panel have um, back in 2010 published a report looking at um, what we anticipated for North Carolina as far as sea level rise rates with the, the top, middle, and lower IPCC scenario out to 2100. And this is what the graph looked like. There's this bar here uh, that comes stops at about 2045. And we actually had a change of administration and a replacement of everybody on the CRC panel. And they really didn't like the look of this graph. So they said, well, let's just look at 30 years. So right now, they would like us to only consider this amount of sea level rise, which is kind of interesting. The National Water Level Observation Network from NOAA has, um, there are six established stations from NOAA along the North Carolina coast, but they um, documented that we need at least <laughs> six more stations to really adequately keep track of water level here. Our Division of Emergency Management has um, now the flood inundation mapping and alert network, which is actually very good. And they're still having some trouble getting some good data for the coastal zone here. But there is some, um, some stations they have been able to put here in the coastal area. That was done initially with Hurricane Floyd funds. Um, however, um, as you know, stations need to be maintained and the funds were not there until we received funds from Hurricane Matthew. So fortunately, they were working for the current um, hurricane, for the current hurricane, for, for the current season. Um, there's also the Coastal Emergency Risk Assessment. The director of our lab, Rick Ludic um, is largely responsible for the ADCIRC model. So the ADCIRC model for looking at storm surge as well as some um, meteorology is used to really to, to um, predict storm surge everywhere in the United States and its territories. So this is a, a really, you can find this on, on the web and it's a really neat model to look at. Um, so they use the oceanography, storm surge and meteorology to predict water levels, but they'll go maybe two or three days out in, in the future. 
Um, we've already talked a little bit about North Carolina king tides, talked about what a king tide is. Um, our original goal was mainly just for public outreach and education. We developed the website and actually a friend of mine at, at NOAA developed the What's Your Water Level app. Um, this is um, very handy for people for actually either sending us photos or for actually reporting water levels. And we just wanted to, to <clears throat> appreciate the fact that photographs are really can, can communicate <laughs> what's going on quite well. Um, other goal that we were hoping to do is to actually do some water level monitoring. So we worked with the um, Association of Floodplain Managers here in North Carolina in the 20 coastal counties, and we are working to put water level gauges um, in at least, hopefully, in all the counties. These uh, We actually train citizen scientists, we build and install the gauges, and they read them on a regular basis, generally once daily, which just gives us an idea of water levels. Um, as many of you probably know, um, for research purposes, both NOAA and as a scientist, I look at uh, water levels every six minutes because it, you really need that to get the, the highly resolved information. <laughs> I'm glad that's so not no just us constantly looking at data, Christine. <laughs> Um, can I ask a quick question? I don't want to sure. uh, interrupt you too yeah, much, but, sure, but, sure. but for folks who are watching or listening at home, they're, they're hearing about the app and the submitting of the photos. Anyone who wants to get uh, involved and help you guys with that record keeping, I kind of just want to kind of dwell on that point for a moment. What are some of the avenues? I was looking at the website. Is, is that a place that they can go to get started? Absolutely. Go, the, the, probably the very the easiest is to go to North Carolina King Tide's website. And there are several tabs here with all sorts of information. We have quite a few resources. But whether you look on your cell phone or on your laptop, or you can just click the submit a photo, it'll automatically go to the, the NOAA app. And you will have really just three simple questions uh, to, that you are asked to well fill in with the, the multiple choice options. But there's some additional information you can add. You can choose to um, add, upload a, a picture. Then there's a, a either you can use a map or ask the um, for coordinates to be found by your, um, you know, as long as your location services are turned on and then hit submit. It's really quite easy to do. And again, I know at least in, in North Carolina, we're interested in, in all water levels, all things that are interesting. Um, the NOAA in developing this app, it was originally just for North Carolina King Tides, but um, they've actually developed it to be used globally. So it's really kind of neat. You can use it anywhere <laughs> you are and, and make a submission. You can also, on the website, you can look at all those different submissions and there are other NOAA products um, from there. There's the inundation dashboard from their Tides and Currents website. There's there's really a, a wealth of information there. Can you give me an idea, and you can tell me if this isn't something you do directly, but if, if someone sends in some data, a photo, lets you know what's going on, um, what happens to that information when it gets into, say, your hands or into the hands of the, the folks who are collecting <clears throat> that? Right now, it is stored on a NOAA database. Um, we are not doing all that much with the data at this point. However, we are working with NOAA and others uh, to, to try to figure out how to best use that. Um, there's a lot of modelers who would love to have their hands on this data. There are those from the 
I know the National Weather Service that would love to see. They have a high watermark program that would love to see these data. Right now, um, it was a voluntary effort to get this app going. And they, um, my friend was actually developing a separate water level data download app. And this is incomplete at this point. So we are working with um, several folks from the NOAA Sentinel site cooperatives, um, who are many of whom have King Tide projects to try to um, work with this so that NOAA can, well, number one, make the data available readily. Um, if any of your listeners are part of NOAA, whether it's National Weather Service, National Marine Fishery Service, you can access these data now. Um, but what we do in the meantime is we try to at least twice a month download all the data and photographs there are, and we post them and they're on a link on our webpage. Um, we also say to, to contact us, and I'll give that information at the end, if you need us, you know, if, if you have a special request for, for data. But right now, there's a multitude of ways these data can be used and we are not making full use of it, I have to say. Um, please, especially anyone um, from your group, I would love, I'd be happy to share <laughs> the data, the photographs. Um, we, we know that the photographs come marked time, with a date and time stamp and the coordinates on there. Um, and then the other questions that are answered can be helpful can be used by real estate, uh, insurance companies, try to figure out, okay, is it the commercial businesses? Is it roadways that are flooding? What's going on? So there's there's really a lot that can be done. This app could even, it, it is upload, the data are submitted and shared real time. So there's other opportunities for this app. It's just that we haven't gotten the funding or the attention yet <laughs> needed to real Christine. We have a viewer question kind of talking about what you are right now. Um, Ty Humphreys is wanting to know, do you think there will ever be a time where the public will have access to this data? Absolutely. The public have access to these data now through our website, but they, they don't have it. You can actually go to the website now. If you, you, would, you can go through North Carolina King Tides program. You'll find that what's your water level app. You don't necessarily need to go to the reporter page and you'll see the summary map. I could probably even go there while we're, we're on air here. Um, and you can pull up the data at any time, but to physically download a, a, you know, a, a large amount of data, right now someone from NOAA or, or with special permission needs to download it. And then, like I said, we're really sharing it as a CSV file on our website. But yes, you can go and take a look at what's being seen. And to show people what that website looks like, I've gone ahead and put it up on the screen here. So if, oh, if, folks, if folks are Googling it or trying to find it, I think I've got uh, the right link here. You can kind of get a sense of, of what it is that you're going to be finding. And that what's your level is, is about halfway down the page or so. And I think, as you mentioned, kind of links over to um, 
Oh, I'm just trying to click on it and it's not working. That's it's my fault, no, not the websites. Um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And you know, um, Christine, I know you had a, a map up a, a moment ago, and I, um, we can we can talk about that in momentarily as you're working to pull up the, the application on your end as well too. Um, let me ask this real fast because I know with Hurricane Florence, this is something that kind of came up. People found out that you know flooding, whether it's tidal related related or otherwise, is, is not just a coastal thing too. But you guys are also probably looking for data from folks who maybe are not near the ocean but along some other waterways further inland as well too is that correct you're actually you're absolutely right i'm putting back up here a map that shows again north carolina you can see in green that's pretty much the eastern extent of the usgs stream gauges with the exception of lake madame mesquite down here and then the NOAA gauges read out here along the coast um, this the few state gauges that we have are noted here in yellow but all the red here is really is where we're trying to fill in the gaps. So yes, we have a, a gauge hopefully going at Union Point Park if we can still find a solid structure in Plymouth, up at Mackey's Ferry, um, down in Surf City as well. Our funding for the special water level monitoring component um, right now is is over, but we are committed, as long as we have some NOAA funding, we're committed to, to try to keep this going. And we anticipate that um, between the Sea Grant, National Sea Grant Program and NOAA's Sentinel Site Program, we think that this will be picked up by other entities in, in the future. But yeah, we're really kind of, kind of hoping that it turns into a COCO-ROS project, if you know what I mean. Hoping that this is something that um, can benefit a large group of people, researchers, coastal zone managers, the public. I mean, it would be wonderful if you see a photograph and see that uh, your route commute to work and there's a pipe, you know, a, a water main break and you have to take a different road. You could actually find that out. Or if you see one of those thunderstorm, you know, lines coming across, you can see if there are pictures that, from that area that have been submitted. So. Um, yeah, we're trying to, to fill in the gaps, if you will. Christine, while you, while you have this map up, um, we, we had a viewer question, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about, <clears throat> they, they said Pine Knoll Shores, where you live, Moorhead City, um, are they affected pretty badly by king tides because they are south-facing beaches? We are definitely, uh, we see king tides, but the south-facing beach is mainly impacted because the, the predominant southern wind, uh, summer winds come from the southwest, um, but it really doesn't affect us any differently for, for king tides. Tidal, here we have semi-diurnal tides, so that's two high tides, two low tides each day. South Carolina, the same thing, that we don't really see any big effect from king tide other than the hydraulic head of the ocean coming up higher. Um, here in Pine Knoll Shores, we don't have it coming up through the sewer lines, but um, in some of the older towns, you definitely see that. Good information. Um, another viewer question um, we have is Chris, Krista Wilkes. I hope I pronounced your name right, Krista. Uh, she said she's an insurance agent and she's never heard of this. So uh, good information that you're sharing tonight. She wanted to know, um, how could she get in contact with you? And I'm sure, you know, here on the website, you could probably show her that. 
Okay, yes, and here I'll put a contact here. Um, King Tides actually has its own Gmail address. Um, and you're welcome to um, email me at work. Here's the URL. And there's actually, um, <clears throat> if you go to our website, you should be able to sign on to the listserv because we do send out announcements when we know, you know, when, when we anticipate, when we know the king tides are forecast, actually. Um, so yes, please feel free to contact us. Additional contact information is available on the North Carolina King Tides project webpage as well. Um, shrink these down a little bit, or actually let me get rid of those so you can see. Um, we do put out a calendar every year and um, this is what it looks like. Um, you know, we, we define when the new moon or full moon is gonna occur each month. And if those two co-occur in close in time, we have a king tide. But there are times where they co-occur, but they're spread apart by three or four days. And we still have what we're calling an amplified tide. Still the, the high tides are higher and the low tides are lower, but it's not the full-blown king tide. And this calendar, and hopefully a 2019 soon, will be on our website as well. I think that's fascinating information. Um, so you said our folks, they can download the app. Is that correct? Um, the um, It's actually a web app right now. App. Okay. So I would use uh, your web browser and just Google or you search for North Carolina King Tides and um, hopefully it'll come up. And uh, yeah. I mean, it, it came up when I Googled it, so I can verify that. Yay. <laughs> well, when we were getting started, we felt pretty lonely out there because we'd hear all sorts of things. <laughs> it's, it's on the, but, um, it's, uh, if folks are looking for it, it has a, like a unc.edu part in the address, right? It does. Yeah. It us. <laughs> Christine, you, you've alluded to a couple of times where this is kind of a, a national and an international thing. Uh, and I think one of your last slides was talking about that. So um, maybe for our followers in South Carolina, is there a similar program that you may know of that, that exists there? South Carolina Department of Natural Resources actually uses something called MyCoast. Um, I would have to go to their junior website to get details. Uh, My Coast is a commercial program uh, that a lot of states have signed on with, and they generally King Tide events are announced through that. Um, they have other things like vessel strandings, and it's a it's from our perspective fairly expensive. Um, we were working on a shoestring, and we actually just used. Um, and that's what Flickr initially until, um, again, a friend at NOAA, because I have a, a NOAA grant, I was able to use other resources within NOAA and um, basically used, you know, ArcMap <laughs> one, two, three, survey one, two, three, and developed an app. And it's, it's really, it's being used quite widely now throughout NOAA, but it could certainly use additional recognition. Very cool. Well, uh, Ms. Christine, oh, any last thing before I know we're getting to the top, close to the top of the hour. Um, okay. I, I found this was fascinating information. 
Um, you know, the, the, the big thing that I took away from this is I had no idea that, you know, the, the Gulf Stream kind of fluctuated back and forth and it pushed water in, in, into the coast, you know, making for, for the sea level rise there. I thought that was fascinating. Kind of scary. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I had no idea. So um, I, that really, really took me by surprise tonight, learning that. Um, again, your contact information and, and how folks can, can follow you guys and, and get more information. So North Carolina King Tides or nckingtides.web.unc.edu. We're on Twitter, Facebook. We're all social media so far that we can, can get involved with. Thank goodness I have young um, technicians who are very adept with the social media. Um, we nckingtides uh, uh, at gmail.com or you're welcome to contact me cvoss at unc.edu and we'll be as responsive as we can and one last one before we before we kind of close out um if folks want to get involved with this i know you know sending pictures in is a way to do that but is there other opportunities or ways that folks can maybe volunteer with you guys or maybe help you out if, if they they see fit yeah we have a um we have had for a while a citizen science water level monitoring project. Um, what we were actually using both um, private, there'd be private citizens that would actually have a station on their dock. But what we found worked quite well was to put these benchmark gauges up um, at, at, at pop, popular public locations like Big Rock Landing and other parks and recreation areas. And at these locations, you'll find a, um, a decal with very simple basic instructions. Basically, you know, observe, take a photo, and send it. There's a QR code right there, and they can send that information in. We're hoping that over time, uh, we'll have more and more benchmarks. And um, right now, let's see, this is the better map. Everywhere you see red here either now has or soon will have a gauge. How cool is that? People are interested. What we just need is someone committed to, to take at least daily readings. Um, we build the gauge, we'll bring it, and we will um, reference that your water level to a, a standard vertical datum, North American vertical datum 88, so that it can be used more broadly by, uh, by the coastal zone managers and, and researchers. That is really cool. So hopefully if you are listening tonight, if you live a, uh, around the uh, coastal area or maybe a waterway um, and you'd be interested in doing this, uh, get in touch with uh, Ms. Christine and um, that'd be something cool. I know they would enjoy the, the information flowing into their, into their data points. Definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. James, Chris, you guys have anything before we kind of transition? Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, Scotty. That was great information. I appreciate right. your time, Christine. I know this is kind of Absolutely. forefront in everyone's mind here following the storm and just kind of regular tidal uh, tide cycles as well, too. <clears throat> All right. Well, Miss Christine, feel free to hang around if you want to, but if you want to go ahead and hop off, you can do that. We are going to uh, talk a little bit about the recovery efforts that are going on along the, uh, the Carolina coast. Um, James has been scrolling uh, at the bottom of the screen uh, ways that you guys can, uh, if you see fit, um, help out the folks who are 
in North Carolina and South Carolina. And uh, Chris, speaking of South Carolina, I know you've had uh, some friends down there who are right now in the midst of experiencing this this flooding event that's taking place a week after, or almost two weeks now after Florence has moved through the area. Yeah, uh, that's right, Scotty. I mean, you think about it. September fourteenth, my birthday. I was chasing a hurricane uh, down Cherry Grove. Here we are, September twenty sixth. And, and as my count right now, there's still 539 miles of South Carolina that's under a flood warning. 72,210 people are currently affected by that flood warning. Um, there's still three rivers in major, actually near record flood stage with the Waccamaw River being uh, over its all-time record flood stage. Uh, you know, it smashed uh, Matthew's record by, you know, a little over four feet, I believe. But, um, you know, still got flood warnings for the Great and Little Petey Rivers. Uh, the the Little PD River at Gallimus Ferry, right at 501, is, is still a major flood stage and it's going to remain that way for you know, some time to come. Uh, the Great PD basically is still under a major flood stage from from Florence all the way to uh, south of like Britain's Neck in southern Marion County, and where it, you know comes together with the the, the Little PD. Then you get the Waccamaw River, it's basically under under all time record flooding uh, from just north of Conway all the way to Winya Bay and Georgetown. And then you got some of the intercoastal waterway near Sockesty, and that's where some of my some of my friends are. And uh, you know they they they're taking it, you know, right on you know the worst of it. I mean, they got seven feet of water at their house right now, and it's 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 really sad to see their house on stilts. It hasn't been affected, and uh, you know hopefully it doesn't happen. But you know there's so many people out there that you know that has happened, and that's just unfortunate. You know, Chris, I think all this talk we've been having about, about flooding and everything is, is, is very timely. Uh, we also saw some material this week that I wanted to share with everyone about the runoff, because like you mentioned, the storm is almost a week gone now, but we still have all this water that we're trying to get rid of out of our system. And we're seeing that now running off into the ocean as it makes its way down all those tributaries. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what it's picking up along the way. And uh, we had some images released, satellite imagery released uh, this week that shows that dark blue there you see on the top or on the bottom it's actually colored so you can see it even a little bit better as a kind of an orangish brown color that's all of that water that flooding water that's coming down those river and streams and along the way it's picking up a combination of both natural and kind of human created pollution so you might have things that are natural like uh, you know soils different soils from different regions um, different uh, plant material that it's picking up but then also uh, we've heard about the uh, the possible ash coal spill at the Duke Power Plant or anything it just might be encountering as it's flooding over those banks so this was i think some very startling images uh that people were seeing this week and uh kind of setting the record straight that it's a combination of both natural and unnatural runoff but you can see it there uh along the uh the the, uh, the coastline as this now begins to work its way out of uh, some of those affected regions um chris i was also working to bring up and i, I don't have it ready just yet, so everyone bear with me just a moment. But Chris, you were talking about uh, your friends who uh, still have uh, situations with flooding, and you mentioned Conway. Uh, we still have some roads there that are very hard to pass. Uh, they're doing their best to, to keep those roadways open uh, to battle those still rising waters. Uh, we have also been streaming, as you maybe you've seen on our YouTube, Facebook Live, or Periscope pages, uh, this USGS camera. This is the PD River. This was, uh, it says live, but this is yesterday. Um, we were happy to find this camera 
camera. You know, we've been talking a lot during the last hour about uh, monitoring tides, and one of the ways that Christine mentioned they do that is in partnership with the USGS and their monitoring systems. This one happens to have a camera on it. You can see that bridge there, and you can look at the support of those bridge, and you can see just how high that water is. And again, this is not video from a week ago. This is video from yesterday. And so that's why, folks, if you're not living along the coast, if you're unsure uh, what the situation there is still, you can see that we still have some very, very high water levels. Chris, Scotty? Yeah, yeah, definitely want to just add on to what you said, you know, you know, especially with the contaminant stuff that goes into the ocean, you know, something a lot of folks don't realize, you know, when you get in flood waters like this, especially around urban areas, or, or you don't even have to be in urban areas, you know, if, uh, big uh, farming areas, uh, stuff like that, you know, when you have this much rainfall and you got such widespread, you know, catastrophic flooding, the water is not safe to be in. And it, you might say, well, it's it's not moving that fast. I'm so, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm what I'm talking about is, is the biological and chemical contaminants that's in that water. You know, you, you flood a neighborhood, you flood a, a, a town, a city. Uh, everything that's in the ground's coming out. Everything that's in the sewers is coming out. I can tell you from personal experience, of you know, from my from my days of fighting fires and, and doing swift water rescue, and what I dealt with in 2015. Um, everything that's in the sewer line that comes out of your house, and everybody knows what I'm talking about is in the water and I'll just leave it at that. You know, it's no time to be in the water and it's just a breeding ground for, uh, for bad things to happen. You know, not just the hazards from, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, a road washed out or, or, you know, some kind of underwater hazard you can't see just, just the chemical and biological hazards. And the, you know, that scares me more than anything. So I really just want to urge folks, you know, if you ain't getting a business being in the water, don't be in the water. And if you're going to be in the water, just make sure you get some, some kind of protection between your skin. And you don't want that water touching your skin. And uh, just to hit on a couple more things, uh, let's see here. Where can I go? Hey, Chris, while you're, Chris, yeah. while you're, you're talking about that, um, our, our panelist, Shay Gibson, um, he tweeted out earlier today um, a very well-known uh, man from Wilmington, North Carolina, Ron Phelps, actually passed away this morning due to uh, complications from an infection from the floodwaters um, that was in the area. So... Uh, yeah. That just kind of shows you just how how nasty and toxic this water is. I mean, I mean, I mean, just to, not to be an alarmist, but to be a realist, you know, in a lot of this flood water, especially in these populated areas and neighborhoods, um, you know, there's a, a a decent chance, you know, that flood water is ca carrying uh, communicable diseases like hepatitis. It's very, very, very good possibility. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of waterborne illness that that just is breeding in water. And it's just, it's not somewhere you want to be. It's its not something to go, you know, play in and, and have joy time. You know, let's see a lot of kids doing that, you know, knee deep water or something like that, just have playing in the water. Flood water's not so much. No, it's probably not the best idea. Not at all. Um, I, you, you have a few more things to pull up, Chris? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was, I, was, I was pushing out a couple of things across my personal Twitter page, and you guys can retweet it from, from our weather group thing. But, uh, you know, a bunch of phone numbers, SCEMD. Uh, and SCDOT, Horry County, EMD, uh, they've all done a, a, a great job in just keeping people you know, up to date on the latest. Uh, you know, ha, ha, they've got a, all got hotlines, you know, 24 hour hotlines set up uh, for folks that, that, you know, may have questions, whatever that question might be. You know, there's people there to answer that question. And, uh, you know, really urge people, if you, ha if you do have a question, seek the official source of information and, uh, you know, do what you can do to, to find out the best information. I also know that that FEMA is accepting, uh, I think, like disaster uh, applications from I think five counties in South Carolina: Marion, Orie, uh, Florence, 
maybe Dylan and Chesterfield. Yeah, or Chesterfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, all the counties, basically, the PD down to the Grand Strand. But, uh, you know, this is an ongoing thing. And, you know, before I turn it back over to you guys, I'm just going to pull up uh, the hydrograph right in Conway because it's absolutely uh, incredible. I mean, here we are. And you guys got it on the screen. <clears throat> you know, like I said, September 14th, 12 days ago. It's September 26th now, and we're just now seeing a crest of the Waccamaw River in Conway. And if you look, going out in time, Right here where my mouse cursor is at. By, by Sunday into Monday of next week, we're still above the previous all-time record high. We're, we're not like, you know, down in the major stage. We're still above the previous record high. You know, this is going to take time. This is going to take two weeks, you know, before it all go away. And let's just hope we don't get any more rain on top of that. You know, that's what I, you know, really try to tell people uh, from the get-go. You know, I'm not so much worried about the winds I am the rain and, and the long-lasting impacts the rain's going to cause. And Chris, that's a good point that you're talking about because what the difference may be for here in Western North Carolina, we have a lot of elevation and changes and stuff. So that kind of helps funnel the water and kind of push right. it out. But when you get down there, uh, you know, in the coastal areas, all this, this land is flat. There's nowhere for this water to go. It's backed up. Uh, there's only a few outlets for it to, uh, to get out and into the ocean. So yeah. these are going to be long-term effects. I, I mean, I mean, you think about it. I don't know the spatial size because I, I haven't, I guess, dive, you know, dove that deep into it. You know, but that's probably actually something I'm going to do when we get to on our show tonight. It's just look and see what kind of size, you know, square mileage wise. But you think about it, all of eastern South Carolina and a, a big portion of southeastern North Carolina, you know, basically from Lumberton, you know, the entire Waccamaw River watershed, Lumber River, PD, uh, both PD rivers, you know, all that water's got to go through basically Winnie Bay. And it's going to go right through Georgetown. And that's, you know, that's next on the list. You know, a, a lot of things I've been seeing out of Georgetown, there's, you know, there's a lot of folks down there really, uh, I guess, apprehensive because they're not really sure exactly how bad that's going to be because, it's, you know, they don't know if they've ever seen anything like this ever. So, you know, I know that, you know, they've had some some local evacuations going on down there and, uh, you know, been preparing for the worst, which is, you know, the best thing you can do in a situation like this. But, uh, you know, hopefully everything works out for the best. And if there's anything I can do for anyone out there. By all means, you know where to find me. Definitely so, Chris. And Wilmington also facing something similar um, as all of the Cape Fear River is kind of flowing now into Wilmington, so expecting to see some water rise there. One thing I wanted to show you guys, um, Stephen Paff, he's the uh, warning coordinator meteorologist at the UN, at um, the Wilmington office. Uh, he was out earlier today, and um, he was uh, doing these hot water surveys. And so this was uh, the aftermath after the waters receded. This is in Kelly, North Carolina. I think this is in uh, Pender County, I believe, is where they were today. And just look at the road here. Um, you can see. What was a road. What was a road, yeah. And you can see the the effects of, of this flood water. And unfortunately, uh, this is a scene that we've seen a lot in, West, in eastern North Carolina and um, northeast South Carolina. So, um, even when these flood hey, waters, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, can you pull that video up real quick? I, I just want to point yeah. something out. You, you something really interesting. Um, I guess it was right uh, near the end of that video when it was panning back around to the right. <clears throat> uh, I'll tell you when to stop it. Right in there somewhere. Um, you can see that when the, when the camera pans back around to the right, or you see the roadway, and it looks like there's waves. That's because the water actually got up underneath the asphalt surface right there. Right here, yeah. and, and, you know, you always see people driving through the floodwaters because they see asphalt. 
Just because you see asphalt doesn't mean there's a road under it. I promise you. What happens is the water gets under the road and it erodes the road from, from underneath. You could be driving along, you think you're perfectly fine. Next thing you know, you're in eight feet deep moving water and it could be the mistake that costs you life. And that's, you know, it's just not worth it. That's why I, I, oh, I hate seeing people drive through floodwaters so bad. Yeah, it's definitely um, not <clears throat> worth it. You know, if the barricades are up, you don't want to, to go around those. And uh, so our thoughts are with those folks who were in Horry County and Georgetown County as this water continues to, to flow towards those areas. And uh, thankfully, uh, we didn't get much rain off of the tropical develop off the tropical system off the North Carolina coast. And so uh, that was a, a much needed break that they received there. Um, I've got the Hurricane Center's page up, so we'll screen share this. We'll talk just a couple seconds about this, and then we'll uh, come to uh, end the program here. Uh, but this is the uh, National Hurricane Center. As you can see, oh, as you can see, we still have a uh, tropical storm Kirk out in the ocean. Uh, it's kind of redeveloped. It's supposed to go through the uh, the islands here and then kind of dissipate once it gets in the Caribbean Sea. And then we have another little disturbance area up here in the northern Atlantic, uh, about a 70% chance of formation. So uh, that will probably uh, gain tropical depression or tropical storm status within the next couple of days. But that is not expected to um, to affect um, land. So uh, those are some uh, some good news there. But... Just know that uh, we are still in tropical season, and uh, James, you and uh, you and Chris know October is always, or at least in the past uh, four or five years, has been busy here in the Carolinas with the tropics, with uh, Joaquin and Matthew and Nate. So we'll have to see what um, what happens this year. And uh, the uh, the Gulf of Mexico is still a hotbed. I mean, that, that water has hardly been touched. Um, 80, 85 degree water temperatures down there. Uh, it's just asking for uh, for a storm to get up in that area. Yeah, I want to remind people as we exit September and come into October, the hurricane season is still active. September is the average point that we see all this activity just because it's not August anymore and summer vacation is over. These waters are still very, very warm, as Scotty alluded to. And although this will be minor in the grand scheme of things compared to how much rain Florence brought us, you know, the system that's coming through tonight, followed by the persistent on and off rain we'll see for the next day or two, is just going to be adding insult to injury. Uh, however, little rain we see could be an inch or two in some places. So, you know, it's not nothing, but uh, that is just, you know, kind of, again, going to be an added irritation uh, for folks who are already dealing with flooded water. And here right now, we'll look at the live radar as this uh, cold front moves into the Carolinas and with it brings those thunderstorms, depending on uh, where you are watching us from tonight. That's right, James. I've got the, uh, the Weather Prediction Center's uh, excessive rainfall uh, graphic up and as you can see there's a slight chance of flash flooding tomorrow for the mountains and foothills of western north carolina and then a marginal threat of flash flooding uh, for the upstate of south carolina towards the charlotte metro area back towards uh, winston-salem greensboro and then up into virginia so uh there is a chance tomorrow with with the rain that we're going to see that we could see some uh, flash flooding in in some areas so um, that is a uh, possibility, and I was going to show you the next three days. We could see anywhere between another one to two inches, maybe even three inches of rain in portions of the Carolinas. So um, really no rain is really needed anywhere in, in, in North or South Carolina, but it does look like um, over the next day or so that we could see some, some rain. And um, may, it may not prompt flash flooding in, in eastern North Carolina and northeast South Carolina, 
it's definitely going to kind of add insult to injury with just with more rainfall. So um, hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully everything will be okay. I was going to add on to that, Scotty. I was looking in, in AWIPS because I'm, you know, I'm on this AWIPS kick right now. It's new weather uh, console, but uh, uh, I was looking at all the flash flood guidance from NCEP earlier, and you know, most of all the river basins east of Columbia, south of Raleigh. That entire area that's been affected by Florence, their flash flood guidance is for three hours, about three inches. And we all know in South Carolina, we can get three inches of rain in one hour out of a good thunderstorm. So something to watch, something to be mindful of. You know, if you live around these areas, that's, that's seen flooding, that's still continuing to see flooding, you know, especially tomorrow afternoon through Friday. Uh, you know, just be on, be mindful of the weather. <clears throat> that is right. So uh, with that, we will um, start to wind down the show next week we have damon lane on with this chief meteorologist out at koco in oklahoma city i bet you didn't know damon actually went to school here in north carolina so we're going to talk to damon uh for the next uh for next week's show we're going to have an hour show with him and then the following week we're going to have uh, chris white on with us he's going to be talking to us about the mid-atlantic storm chasers conference it's going to be going on in richmond virginia uh towards the end of october so chris will join us with that and then on the 17th of October, we'll be talking with the folks at the Farmer's Almanac. Uh, we hear uh, the Farmer's Almanac a lot in forecasting. And so we're going to kind of talk with them and dive in uh, directly how they uh, get their uh, their information and, and how they uh, produce their forecast. So that's what it looks like for the next few weeks here at the Carolina Weather Group. As always, if you have any recommendations of guests or topics, please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to uh, sign uh, to, to get those folks on the, the show and get them signed up for a date. I will let you know we are booking now for January of 2019. It looks like everything is done for the rest of this year. So um, kudos to the team on getting folks booked. But um, uh, we'll be taking uh, new bookings in January. So you have uh, plenty of time to get us some uh, some guests or some topics you'd like for us to talk about, and we would love to reach out to them. So for everyone here at the Carolina Weather Group, uh, for James Brierton and Chris Jackson, we wanted to thank you and Miss Christine Voss. Uh, go uh, check out the North Carolina King Tide Project. Go um, help them out if you live along the coast or any waterways, and you can help monitor the water levels. I know uh, they would appreciate that help. And as always, uh, thanks for watching the Carolina Weather Group. You see a great image of Hilton Head, South Carolina, as we log off. We hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next Wednesday night.